thank you for joining us for the study of God's Word today. Grab a Bible and listen carefully as God will be speaking to us through His Word today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. So with that, if you would take your Bibles and, and turn them to the book of Hebrews. And if you want to start off in Hebrews chapter 1, um, because, um, yeah, that kind of gives a, a, a good baseline and a good direction for where this book is headed. This is a, a book that we've been doing in the student ministry um, for almost a year now, and we're getting ready to, to wrap up. Um, this book. It's been a, a great study. Um, I, you know, was, I knew it was going to be a great book, and, and it's been great, uh, especially, you know, there's a lot of reflection on the Old Testament. If you were to read through the book of Hebrews, you'd see a lot of things that are pointing back to, like, Levitical law, for instance, and there's a lot of references to, to the Psalms as well, and so this, this book is obviously scripture, and it is also full of quotations from other places in scripture. Um, the book of Hebrews, we do not know who the human author is. Um, you know, there, there's been different debates, different ideas. Some believe it was the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the, the New Testament. Others believed maybe it was Barnabas or Apollos. Um, but what's really most important, and we shared this with our students, is that the main author, not only of this book, but of the entirety of Scripture, is the Holy Spirit. And so we know that this book is for our instruction. You know, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.16-17, he says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, uh, rebuke, um, and training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so we can be sure that the book of Hebrews falls along uh, with that as well. And so he, the, the author of Hebrews starts off in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and this is what he says. He says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so this book, right, these verses set us up for the rest of the book and, and how in the Old Testament, God spoke through things that were simply a shadow of what was to come. Right? He, he used the prophets, and there's a lot of imagery that will ultimately point to Christ. But now, since Christ, and, and today is included in that, we have the Son. God speaks through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we look, you know, the, the writer of Hebrews makes different comparisons um, to how really Jesus is better. And that's really the, the main theme, or at least one of the main themes of this book, is that Jesus is better. He, he's better than anything that we currently possess. He is better than anything that we could possibly possess. And he's better than anything we can even imagine. Uh, the fact is that Jesus is better. 
And uh, the writer of Hebrews points to different things and gives different examples. He, he mentions the angels and how God used angels as his messengers several times uh, in the Old Testament. Um, and even we can think of how uh, the Lord even sent the angel Gabriel to, to Mary to, to announce that she would conceive and ultimately give birth to the Messiah. But Jesus is the ultimate messenger of good news because he himself is the good news and, and, and he, he teaches us uh, you know, more clearly and he himself is God and he himself is the word uh, and we know that the word is truth. Uh, he also gives uh, a comparison of Moses. We read in the Old Testament, you know, how Moses is a faithful servant to God. And man, the incredible things that Moses does. He, he leads the, the people out of Egypt, uh, and then he deals with the, the, the stubborn Israelites for 40 years, right? What an what a awesome servant Moses is. And, uh, and, but we see that Jesus is an even better servant. He's even better than Moses. And, and we need to remember in the context of this letter, it was written to Hebrews, right? Jewish people who really revered Moses. And even to this day, in, in the Jewish community, Moses is, you know, if he's not at the top, he's really close to the top of people that they look up to uh, as he's the writer of, you know, the Torah, the first five books that we have in the Old Testament. But Jesus is even better than Moses, then he, the writer of Hebrews talks about the, the, the priesthood, and, and he mentions the high priest. And the high priest had a really important responsibility uh, for the people of Israel. He, he was kind of uh, the, the mediator between the people and God. And once a year, he would enter into the Holy of Holies, either in the tabernacle or in the temple, and he would meet with God and, and, and make you know, sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people. And we see that Jesus is the great high priest. How we now, through Jesus and the spirit that he gives us, we can boldly enter into the throne uh, room of God whenever. Right? We're, we're doing it in this moment as we open up scripture. We can do it on our way home, in our cars, at home, at work. Wherever we are, we can boldly enter into the throne room of God because of Jesus our great high priest. And then in this chapter before, the writer of Hebrews, right, and really also beginning in chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews is calling us to look forward to the day that Christ will return. Right? We, it's something as believers, we're to look forward to. It's, it's going to be a joyous, glorious day. And until that day comes, he calls us to live by faith. And the writer of Hebrews goes through these great examples we see in the Old Testament of people who lived by faith, and it was counted to them as righteousness. We have people like Noah and Moses, Abraham, Sarah, David, right? The, the list goes on and on. The writer of Hebrews even goes on to say, like, man, I could talk to you about these people and these people, and like, you know, we could spend all day, all week talking about the faithful men and women of God who lived by faith. And then we get to our passage today in Hebrews chapter 12. If, if you haven't turned there already, if you could turn there. And we're going to explore verses 1 and, and 2 this morning. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 
and 2. It reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So here in verse 1, we, we, I, I mention this every time uh, with our students, um, and, and they, they probably might be a little tired of it, but uh, whenever we see the word therefore, we need to ask what it's there for, right? And so, um, so this therefore in chapter 12 is pointing us back to what I just mentioned in Hebrews 11 about these great men and women of faith who have run the race well, they lived their lives by faith, and And yet they didn't receive necessarily what was promised. They didn't get to experience uh, the coming Messiah. But we, living in these New Testament times, under the new covenant that that Jesus establishes, we get to live in light of what Jesus has done. But still, this great cloud of witnesses, those who live by faith, serve as an encouragement for us. Now, these people, they don't necessarily actively look upon us as we live our life, but rather they exhibit what it means to live and to walk by faith. They are men and women who are really witnesses to God and witnesses to what God has done in their lives. And so they serve as an example and as an encouragement for us. And this encouragement is to run the race and to run the race with endurance. Uh, here, the word uh, race or to, to run uh, is, comes from the Greek word agon, which means agony, right? Like, that's where we get our word agony from. And uh, I don't know how many runners we may have in the room, um, but I am not a runner, and I do not like running because it is agonizing, right? Like, you know, you kind of start off well, and you're like, okay, this might not be too bad, and then about three and a half seconds later, like, it start, your, your lungs start burning. You're like, man, what did I get myself into? Um, and so, right, ru- running is painful. Even for the most experienced runners, there's moments while you're running, you know, whether you're doing a marathon, half marathon, 5K, you know, you're just going out to, to exercise. There's moments in that run that are painful. And that's the picture that the writer of Hebrews is, is giving us of really what the Christian life looks like. It's, it's this long race. It's this agonizing race. It's, it, it, it can be painful. It can be hard. It's like a marathon. And the writer of Hebrews is calling us to run with endurance. He's calling us to persevere because it's hard. It's difficult. And, and we may know people, uh, it may have been true of us at one point in our lives, but many begin the Christian race, the Christian life, well. They start well. You see them run. They're growing. But then sometimes they don't necessarily finish well. Right? They kind of fall off. We, we might not see people for a time, and we may wonder what happened to them. And, and so what's really more important than even starting the race well and going, you know, 100 miles an hour, what's more important is that we continue and that we persevere to the finish. Um, there's this book that, you know, in, in our student ministry, we do several times in discipleships, uh, especially with our young men. It's called Disciplines of a Godly Man by R. Kent Hughes. 
And in this book, he has this chapter on perseverance that um, really looks at these verses in Hebrews chapter 12. And he says some things, gives some uh, analogies that I think are really helpful for what the Christian race looks like and what it looks like to endure. And so he makes mention of a man named Art Carey, who's a marathoner and also a writer. And Art Carey writes in the Philadelphia Inquirer of his, um, you know, of his experience running the Boston Marathon. He talks about the difficulties of it and how your legs tighten up, all these different things. But I think what's really important is what he says in the end of his quotation. He says, while times, right, how fast you run, and, the place, and places are important, and breaking a personal record is thrilling, especially as you grow older, the real joy of the Boston Marathon is just finishing, doing what you have set out to do. Right? There's probably mar- marathons all the time where people, they start, but they don't finish. And so hopefully that would not be true of us as followers of Jesus, that we would start the race, that we would begin running well, but then we drop out. I know I was exhorting uh, our high schoolers a few weeks ago when teaching this passage that, man, I am so encouraged by how our high schoolers uh, in our group, how they're running. You know, they're not perfect, but none of us are perfect. None of the examples we see in Hebrews 11 are, are perfect. But I see their growth. I see their willingness to persevere, to run the race. And my prayer for them is that they would continue. As life gets difficult, as you know, there becomes more and more responsibilities in their life, that they would truly run with endurance. That they would persevere. And that would be my prayer for all of us in this room. right? From the youngest child to, to the oldest in the room. That however much time we have left here on this earth, that we would run this race with endurance. And one more quotation from this book a little later on. Kent Hughes says, fast or slow, strong or weak, we must all persevere. So it doesn't necessarily matter how fast we're going, how slow we're going, how strong we may seem, or how weak the, 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 the encouragement, the challenge And the exhortation for us is that we would continue, that we would keep our eyes fixed on Christ, and that we would run this race, that we would run it well with endurance and perseverance. And we have help, right? We have encouragement, right? We are not the first, and we are not the last people to run this Christian race, right? We're not the the first people. And even if we were, I believe wholeheartedly the Lord would help us. He would help us to run this race if we were the first. Just like he did with the early church, right? It's amazing to see what God did in them and through them. As, right, they were, you know, Jesus had left. But he gave us and gave them our, his Holy Spirit so that we could run this race well. Right? And so we're to submit to the Lord in all that we do. And I find encouragement also in this passage as it says, you know, let us run the race or with endurance the race that is set before us, right? The, the scriptures, the Proverbs say that, you know, a man, you know, he makes his plans, but it's God who directs his steps. And so as we have our eyes fixed on Christ, it's God who's going to be directing us. He's going to be leading us and guiding us, you know. And, and one of the ways that God does, this, does that is through his word. We know in, in Psalm 119, verse 
105, it says, you know, your word is severe. Right? And we're to grow in the discipline that it takes to run this race that's set before us. Because, right, to have endurance is not easy. Right? It's a, there's a reason that the word, you know, given here is agon, for agony. Right? It's not for the faint-hearted. And sometimes it seems like it would just be easier to throw in the towel, to no longer seek to honor the Lord. But we must remember, church, the incredible gift and treasure that Jesus Christ is. And so I believe in this passage, there's two things, at least, that we can see that would help us to run this difficult race with endurance. The first of which is laying aside. And there's two things that we're to lay aside. The first is weight, and the second is sin. So when we're looking at laying aside this weight, you know, the weight can obviously mean things that are bad, but it could also be good things that are simply slowing us down. Things that are hindering our race with the Lord, our relationship with the Lord. You know, we could think of things um, that are, they, they can be really good things, you know, and they're not bad at all, such as, you know, hobbies, right? I'm sure all of us in here have certain hobbies, and hobbies are good things, right? You know, uh, you know, friends, you know, friends are good things. We need friends. Scripture talks about how we're to love one another and serve one another, and when, you know, we can't do that apart from the body of Christ and from having friends, in the body of Christ. And we could go on and on 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 a list of all the things that are good things, but whenever we put them as priority in our lives, they're going to hinder us. They're going to hinder our run and our walk with the Lord. Um, An an example, once again, that I gave to our students is is our phones, right? Our phones have uh, a lot of great potential, and how they can connect us to the world. We can reach out to, to people, encourage people. We can right, text scripture, call people, and pray for them. There's many ways that we can use our phones for good. Even, even you know, social media, we can do some of those things. But there's also great danger. And um, you know, I'm, I'm sure probably all of us, you know, at least that have iPhones you know, today, we get our report how we did this week on our screen time. Right? And we can look at all the time that we spent on our phones. And right, being on our phones is not a bad thing. Right? You might need to use it for work, all these things. But is it hindering us? Is it slowing us down in our race with the Lord? And so this weight, they're not all just bad things. They could be good. You know, the Apostle Paul himself says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and also in chapter 10, he says that you know, everything is permissible or that everything is lawful, but he goes on to say that not everything is profitable, or not everything is edifying, right? There's certain things in our life, yes, I could do them, there's nothing wrong with me doing them, but are they really profitable? Are they profitable for my life, for my walk with the Lord? Are they edifying both myself, but also the body of Christ, right? Are all these things that I'm doing, are they profitable and edifying. So the question for us should not be, what can I get away with, right? Like, what's good, what's bad? Like, okay, I'm, if it's bad, I'm going to stay away from it and just do the good things. It shouldn't just be that, but our question should rather be, what will make me run the race well? 
in a way that honors God. That should be the way that we look at this as we consider the weight in our lives. And so I pray that the Lord would, you know, as He's begin, you know, begun pointing things out in my life, I pray that He would do the same for you as well. So that way, we can run this race with endurance. Right? I, I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 and 27 again, which Marcos read for us earlier. Thank you, Marcos. And so 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Right? He's talking about running the race, running it in a way to obtain the prize. You know, exercising self-control. And I love the beginning of verse 26 where he says, I do not run aimlessly. How many of us in our lives pursuing after the Lord might be running aimlessly? We may be wondering, okay, I want to honor the Lord. I want to do what God calls me to do. But then we don't necessarily, you know, either have you know, the help, and we here at the church, you know, between staff and other great men and women of God, we'd love to, to help you. You know, dis- that's why discipleship is important, to, to run the race together. You know, when we don't know what to do in an area, to, to have someone who can point us to what God's Word says. But sometimes, right, we might not know what to do, so we run aimlessly. Let us not run aimlessly, church, as we pursue after the Lord. Let us do everything in our power to lay aside the weight, anything that would slow us down in our pursuit of Christ. The second thing that we're to lay aside is sin. Right? And I like how it says, right? It's a sin which clings so closely. Right? Sin doesn't want to let go. You know, I, I just, I get a picture of, you know, uh, either a, a toddler or a young child, you know, whenever they, they wrap around your leg, right, and they've got like all their body weight and they're just kind of hanging on your leg, like, you know, you really got to like pry their hands off of your leg to get them off, right? They're just clinging onto you, right? They're not letting go. And so that's the, 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 the picture that I, I see about sin. It doesn't want to let go. And it won't let go unless by the power of God... You know, we, we lay it aside. So it's a sin that clings to us, right? Sin is trying to enslave us. And Scripture teaches that sin always, not sometimes, but always leads to death. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, this is what we read. It says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. That's what sin does. It brings death to our lives. It enslaves us. It doesn't let go. I, I love the picture that the Apostle Peter gives us in, his, in one of his epistles, that he talks about the devil being like a roaring lion. And, and I, I just think of this lion that hasn't eaten probably for days is hungry, right? It's not going to just play around with its food and like kind of like, you know, like play with it like a cat would play with like a, a, a ball of yarn. 
I'm like, oh, yeah, like, this is fun. No, like, a, a hungry lion is going to find its prey, it's going to attack, and it's going to rip it apart and eat it. That's the picture that we see that the enemy, that sin, has towards us. It's looking to destroy us, right? Sin's not playing any kind of game. And so if, you know, to, and it's, sin's trying to keep us from running the race and fulfilling what God is calling us to. So it's this sin that clings to us. And it could be any kind of sin. I like that the, the writer of Hebrews, he's not specific about what kind of sin it is. It's just sin, right? It, it allows us to maybe think about sin that is kind of troublesome in our life, that you know, kind of doesn't seem to let go. Right? We may all have different things, such as lust or pride or anger, you know, jealousy, slothfulness, right? We could go down the list. But I also think that it could be a lack of faith. Because this is coming off the heels of Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter about faith. And what is lack of faith? It's just, it's not believing in God. It's not trusting in Him. We begin to rely on our own strength to accomplish whatever the task is before us. You know, we don't do as Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Right? We're, we're not doing that when we have this lack of faith. We're not trusting in Him. We're not believing what God has said in His Word. And that's sin. Hebrews 11.25 says, or not 11.25, uh, Hebrews 11.6. It says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if our heart's desire as followers of Jesus is to please God, yet we lack faith, we're not going to be able to do that. Right? So we're going to, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We have to lay aside this weight. We have to lay aside the sin that clings closely to us. You know, that's not playing any kind of game. And we're to have faith in God. And I think the most important thing, I've already made a few references to it. But the second thing to run the race with endurance, and I would arguably say the most important thing is, is to look to Jesus. Right? It's important where we are fixing our eyes. And this idea of looking to Jesus, it's really describing an attitude, not just a single act. So to look to Jesus is not just to look to Jesus in your moment of your salvation, although it is that. Right, it's important. Like we, you know, it, it is by God's grace that we are saved. You know, not of ourselves, not of our works, so that no one can boast. Um, but we're to, to, to look to Jesus, not in just that single act, but it's a lifestyle. Every moment of our life should be fixing our eyes on Jesus. And it's, it's this picture of we're looking at something else and now we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. Right? We, we see the things that are kind of, you know, really in a way worthless in comparison to Christ and we fix our eyes on Christ. Right? This weight, this sin, we, we stop looking at those things and we look to Christ. Because Jesus 
is our perfect example, right? It says in verse 2 that he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is this perfect example. He is uh, the initiator of our faith. He is the, you know, the firstborn of all creation. He is you know, the, the Messiah, the Son of God. And he ran the race perfectly. Right? The race, the life that none of us could live perfectly, right? As we seek to run with endurance, we're still going to trip. We're still going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. It's important that we stand back up and we fix our eyes again on Jesus and continue to run with endurance. But we're still, we're still going to fall. But Jesus never fell. He lived perfectly. He ran the race perfectly. He accomplished it. What we could never accomplish, He did it. And now we who believe in Him we have Christ's righteousness. Right? What a beautiful thing the Gospel is. That we who are sinners, enemies of God, are now made righteous and sons of God. Wow, what a transaction that is. So Jesus, right? He, he serves as an example. Right? He serves as an encouragement as well because since He ran the race perfectly... Right? The, running the race with endurance and running it well is not dependent on us. It is by God's grace that we run and that we persevere. Right? God has given us what we need. He fully equips us so that we can do what He calls us to. So that's why looking to Jesus is the most important thing in, as we seek to endure and run the race with endurance. Because He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. He did it. He's our example. And He did it with joy. Right? As, as we read on in verse 2, it says, Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Man, the joy that was set before Him. What a, what a beautiful, you know, part, beautiful you know, words coming together here in the Scriptures. Right, like as Jesus is going through the terrible things that he did on the way to the cross, right? We've recently done that in our study uh, of John, right? We 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 see how Jesus is denied by his best friend in Peter. We see how the other apostles and disciples, right? They abandon Jesus. We see that one of Jesus's own disciples, who lived with him for three years, betrayed him, sold him for silver. And then, right, he's unjustly tried. He is beaten, spit upon, mocked. Ultimately, he is sentenced to death. He is scorned, given a crown of thorns with no strength left in him. He still has to walk to the cross. He's nailed to that cross. He's bleeding there for hours. And yet, the Scripture says, for the joy that was set before him. He endured all that. What is this joy that was set before him? I think it includes a few things that give us an example as well. I think, right, the, the joy that was set before him would include Jesus' completing the Father's will. One of Jesus' last words is, It is finished. And what did he finish? He finished this transaction, right, where his righteousness 
was given to those who would believe in Him. And the sin, all of our sin, the sin of mankind and the wrath of God was placed upon Him. Right? Jesus completed the Father's will, doing everything that God called Him to do. It's also His resurrection and exaltation, right? The joy that was set before Him. Jesus knew that ultimately, even though His death would be awful, and it was, He knew that He would rise again and that He would be exalted. And in the book of Philippians, we have this beautiful picture of the servanthood of Christ and how right, He humbled Himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then it talks about how God has highly exalted Him. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? He was exalted. And lastly, I think the joy that was set before him includes presenting believers to the Father in glory. Right? How beautiful it is that the Lord would have mercy upon us that He would give us His grace, that all our wickedness would not be counted against us as long as we fix our eyes on Jesus, believe in Him, right, and, and, and begin to, to, to live for Him. So Jesus did all these things for the joy that was set before Him. That serves as an example for us. Because once again, we're, we may not be perfect. None of the examples we see in Hebrews 11 might be perfect but we can still do the Father's will. Right? Scripture is full of commands that we are to be obedient to. And and the amazing thing is we don't have to do it in our own strength. We're simply called to abide in Christ. We're simply called to um, give our life as a living sacrifice. And and a passage of Scripture that uh, Pastor Mike shared with me years ago that has been um, impactful in my life is Romans chapter 6. Verses 12 through 14. And it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. And so being under grace... We present ourselves to God. And it can look as simple as you know, when we wake up in the morning, just asking the Lord, praying to the, the, to the Lord, Lord, I want to present myself to You. The members of my body, such as my eyes, my hands, my ears, my feet, my mouth, I want those to be used for Your will. I want them to be used for righteousness. Help me, Lord. Because we're all desperately in need of God's help for that. And so in closing, as an exhortation, how are we going to run this race? I know that many of you in here know the Lord. You love the Lord. And so I would encourage you, continue to run with endurance. Continue to have your eyes fixed on Jesus, right? There's moments in our life where, man, we just need that encouragement. Because life brings trouble. Life brings hardship. But we know that Jesus is there for us. We know that Jesus is going to see us through. No matter how bad things might be, 
We know that Jesus, in the end, will make all things right. So be encouraged, brothers and sisters. Continue to look to the Lord. And there may be some in here who maybe you haven't even begun to run the race. You, you have not given your life to the Lord yet. And the call is to begin to run. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is also the author and perfecter of your faith. The Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you begin to run this race. And don't just seek to start well and start fast, but slowly but surely, run with endurance. Persevere and and trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Let it be Christ who lives in all of us. And as Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are the initiator, the, 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 the starter, the, the pioneer of our faith, God. That you equip us to do all that you call us to. So Lord, I pray that all of us in here would run this race with endurance. Lord, that we would lay aside the weight even the good things in our life, if they are distracting us from our pursuit of you, Lord, I pray that we would lay that aside to follow you. And Lord, I pray the sin that entangles us, that clings to us, God. Lord, I pray that we would surrender ourselves to you daily, that we'd present ourselves uh, as instruments uh, of righteousness instead of unrighteousness, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to run. Lord, may our eyes be always fixed on you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Church, have a great day. Have a great week. We love you. Be blessed.